Hello and welcome to episode 134 of What Most People Think. I hope you are well. I had a busy week on the road last week. I went to Belfast on the Friday. And did did anyone come out to that? Well, you would have seen a guy that did not realise it was St. Patrick's Day the day before. Well, didn't realise when we put it in. And it was was quite a gig, man, because I think for the first 30 minutes, everyone was hungover. And then something strange happened. Uh, people that first beer seemed to get in people's bloodstream. Uh, my support act Ryan McDonald did a fingering joke, and away you go, uh, away you go. Oh my, oh my God! Last week we started with something about anal examinations. This week it's fingering. There you go. I, I promise you, it will go uphill from here. And then I had I had five trains back. I had to then get a flight. Right, so. Every time I go to Belfast, I end up thinking, I'm not getting drunk tonight. And then I get drunk and then I change my flight. And it happened again. I think that's the third time on the spin. So I had to get a flight over to uh, Liverpool, John Lennon Airport. And I don't know if you know the Wirral, but I looked at it on a map and went, ah, it's not that far, I'll take a taxi. Anyway, 60 quid later, there I am in New Brighton, which is very near Liverpool, but um, very fucking different as well. It's really weird because they sort of like, it's got a seaside and a promenade and some kind of fairground rides, but you can also see these huge cranes in the distance. It's very strange. Um, But yeah, it was an interesting gig there. I don't know how much comedy they had at that gig. At the same time I was on, they had a a Mrs. Marple gig going in the main room. (laughs) I mean, it's something like, there's a sober moment in your career where you go, yeah, Jeff, I mean, yeah, yeah, you you sold all right. You sold about 140, but uh, I'll tell you what, Mrs. Marple is sold out. And uh, there was a woman in there who I think had just had a couple of, couple too many drinks you know she'd been taking in she'd been taking in the sights of the cranes and the docks and all that sort of stuff and then by all accounts had had a uh, couple of Jaeger bombs and she she got chucked out and if she is listening that lady look I don't know I always want to know what happens the following day after a gig like that whether you wake up and just think all I was doing was having a laugh and it turns out I was chucked out for laughing because laughing's illegal. No, it wasn't quite like that, but it just I just think there's a point beyond which. I think while my support act was on, the brilliant Chris Kehoe, I think she went out and had another Jaeger bomb at that point. <laughs> I just don't think it ever recovers from that sort of decision-making progress uh, process rather. So this is a solo episode of what most people think. And every once in a while, I do these. And this is, well, look, I'll tell you the reason that I'm doing them one this week is that it is, uh, I often do them when I've got a lot to say. Well, trust me, I have got a lot to get off my chest this week. And I have been, and a lot of the regulars, you know, this is a show coming from the sort of right of centre angle of things, perhaps a bit more conservative. But, I've, you know, I've been dabbling with lots of different ways of thinking. Well, put it this way, I feel more conservative this week than I have for a while, just because of the handling of some of the stories that have been in the press, right? So stay stay tuned for me ranting on the release of Nadine Zahari Ratcliffe, uh, the story about the P&O sackings, uh, Boris's crass Brexit analogy, and there's also stuff about um, there was this sort of gaslighting. I, don't, I mean, I know that's kind of like a trendy, wanky modern word to use, but there was a gaslighting of a woman uh, that was alleged a sexual assault on an NHS ward by a, a transgender patient. But um, but they told her, hey, no, it couldn't have happened because nobody here is a man. And they kind of left out the fact that somebody did have a penis. So, listen, I mean, look, if, if, the, if, you were, if you've been staying tuned for a while thinking, when's he going to risk getting in trouble again? This could be the episode. <clears throat> but before we get to all that, 
We've got new patrons. We've only got one this week. So, look, if you are listening, if you are listening, this is what keeps the podcast weekly and ad-free. But it's not just an act of charity on your part. There are significant benefit Patreon benefits, right? Coming up, here's, here's an example. April 13th, live gig, online, online gig. Just sit there in your house. Just sit on your laptop. You don't have to go anywhere. Do you know what I mean? You can't even, exp- you can't even moan about petrol prices because I'm sure some of you are doing that now. That's probably becoming a very uh, handy go-to excuse for not <laughs> not seeing the in-laws. Petrol, in it, babe? It's petrol. They live around the corner, Jeff. Ah, oh. I mean, it's, it's going to become... It was COVID for a while, uh, and then it's going to be petrol. But it's, on this occasion, you don't have to go anywhere. Just get a few tins in, sit there in your pants, and watch Norcott do a little gig for you. Uh, there's other things on the Patreon. Um, there's the whole of my traditionalism show. There's the whole of my last tour... Taking Liberties, there are Patreon-only episodes, another one of which will be coming uh, this Thursday. So there's plenty of uh, benefits. And we do have one new patron who's taken up the challenge, is Harry Houghton, who sounds like a, uh, a real grisly old hack from a tabloid newspaper. Harry Houghton from The Sun. So I met... He'd be one of those guys that does that interview, you know, with like uh, the kind of uh, clean-cut presenter type from uh, the BBC who, who gets caught like gets caught wanking online or something like that. He, Harry Houghton would be the guy that would do the interview. You know you know the interview that they do where they have to take a photo of the guy with his head in his hands? There's about three different photos where he's kind of like, oh, what have I done? What have I done? And he's not really thinking, what have I done? He's like, why did I get caught? Why did I get caught? That would be Harry Houghton. Harry Houghton from The Sun. Uh, Mr. Mister Zahari Ratcliffe, now that your wife is home, will you be, you know? And <laughs> everyone's looking... Like, dude, are you actually asking that question? Well, our readers would love to know, after all that time away, are you going to put in a sitting at Harry? No, we've moved on. Journalism isn't like that anymore, mate. Uh, so, well, yeah, welcome, Harry Houghton. And, of course, our super patron, David Domain. We have Domain Talking Point from last week's show. So, David, talking about, we had a real, really incredible opening with Francis in which he talked about his uh, anal examination very early in the show. And David says, what an opening from Francis on the podcast. What an opening, so to speak. Very good. I wonder if his appreciation during his examination led him to realise why the prostate is called the male G-spot and whether he will be advertising aneros on trigonometry soon. I don't know what aneros is. I'm going to think lube. <laughs> Lube's a funny word, isn't it? Uh, and Dame, he says here, enigmatically, Dame Edna refers to the prostate as the Cinderella gland. What the fuck? I don't even understand what that means. Prostate, Cinderella gland. What's that? She, Cinderella, she will go to the ball? <laughs> I don't know. Enlighten me. That might, we might have a double domain talking point there. But uh, but yeah, I, look, I know that I know that a lot of people swear by the old prostate. I don't, it's just, look, I'm a man, we used to, we, we, we put our stuff in stuff generally. We don't have stuff putting us and there's, no, there's nothing wrong with having stuff putting you but if you are that way inclined it's quite you know it's quite a bit maybe i'm missing out so before we get into the main subjects this week uh a thank you and a fuck you as we always do thank you to weatherspoons okay uh, people because it was sort of like a symbol in the cultural battleground of brexit people forget this is one of the greatest things that's ever happened in this country there's a pub it's just cheaper than anywhere all right and it's, it's clean. Yeah, it actually looks like a pub generally. And you can still get breakfast there. I do, Okay, so I had the Weatherspoons Freedom Breakfast on a Sunday morning. Four ninety five. I mean, like, that's, that's more expensive than a Weatherspoons Breakfast would have been a while ago. But four ninety five with a cup of tea, 
I mean, that was, that's good going. That's good. And the reason I was so appreciative for that value is that the previous day coming back from Belfast, at Belfast International, right? I mean, I was weak. I was hungover. I was weak. And there was a there was a chicken burger on the menu. And I just kind of ordered it without thinking. And and my wife kind of looks at all the receipts and recognize, re, uh, reconciles all that stuff. So sent <laughs> very quickly, I got a text from her going, 18 pound for a fucking chicken burger. I was like, yeah, I guess it was 18 pound. And I had uh, de- I didn't dare tell her that. After that, I, I, start, <laughs> I started just paying for stuff with cash. Um, yeah, it's just, but I know that there's inflation and chickens, I guess, you know, and there's inflations in oil and all sorts of transport. But you do also get the impression that some people are just taking absolute diabolical liberties at the moment. Well, on that note, not on my tour. You see all these fancy, these these left-wing comedians, I tell you, mate, right? They talk about fairness and social justice. You look at their ticket prices, some of them. Now, some of you would say, well, they've got higher ticket prices, Jeff, because they're more famous and they're more popular than you. Yes, Yes, I guess you could make that argument if you wish. But you'll see that my tour tickets are coming in from from £15 and upwards, probably no more than £18. So who's the real socialist, Britain? Uh, The fuck you is for a pylon that I got um, last Thursday. So I went on the Jeremy Vine show and um, I was wearing a green T-shirt. And then um, Jeremy, so I didn't mention this to any of the crew or anything, but there was an item that was talking about uh, some econom- economist who'd slagged off Zelensky's green T-shirt. So I thought at the very least it was like a subtle um, a subtle nod towards the man himself. And then, um, and so so Jeremy Vine, because an eagle-eyed producer had sort of seen this and evidently gone to him over over the talk back in his ear. And then they'd done a kind of half shot of me and Zelensky. So I kind of played along. And the thing is, I'm aware that people are talking about Zelensky as sort of a sex symbol. So I thought, I don't really want to equate myself with him. So I said, oh, you know, I'm a bit fatter than him. He's got better muscles and stuff like that. And then uh, Jeremy Vine shared the clip. And, you know, when you're on these shows, you've got to share the clip too. So I shared it too. And Jeremy also shared uh, a tweet. My God, the the, the brutalising I got. How dare you? How dare you compare yourself with Zelensky? Yeah, that's definitely what I was doing. I was definitely saying I'm every inch the man that Zelensky is just by wearing a T-shirt. In no way was it a sort of ironic fucking comparison. And my people like, and I could saw the comments under what Jeremy Vine had tweeted. And one guy said to me, twice as, twice as right wing as Pretty P- Patel and also twice as dense. <laughs> Fucking hell. Okay, let's get into the first few big subjects of this week. All right, so there's been quite a few big stories within the last week. It's one of the reasons that I'm getting the podcast up for um, a bit earlier for the Tuesday. I t- can I tell you the other reason as well? It's because we've got builders in at the moment. We're getting the kitchen done. You know, I'm just becoming the Mondeo man cliche that I've always w- w- been destined to be. And I was sort of discussing with the missus about Ukrainian refugees. And I said something that must have been the worst Western privileged thing to have ever said. It was like, yeah, should we take one in? I said, on the other hand, we are getting the kitchen done. And I just thought, oh, man, that was a bad... <laughs> that was sort of... Uh, consumerism at its height, right? I'm sorry, I just want to send a message. Yeah, look, I'll just say we'd love to have a few in, but I'll be honest, I tell you, the place is an absolute tip. Yeah, not the most sensitive thing to say, Jeff, at this point in time. But anyway, the government have been under fire uh, for a number of things. So let's kind of go through it chronologically. Last Wednesday, we had the news, the the, the, the uh, pleasant surprise of the release of Nazanin Zahari Ratcliffe. You know, can we just say first up, she got a bad deal on that surname. 
Nazanin Zahari, great name. Do you know what I mean? Sounds sounds exotic. You know, it sounds cool. Do you know Nazanin Zahari just sounds like an author. Incredible name. Ratcliffe. She's got stitched up there. Her name is going to be completely undervalued by... And, I, you know, I don't normally... I like quite traditional things, you know. My wife took my name. I kind of I kind of like that. But I would say in this situation, he should have taken her name. He should have taken her... Zahari Ratcliffe. It, it, it doesn't scan. But anyway, that's not really the biggest issue here. So after, what was it, six years away, um, she gets released, right? And it's good news. It's, it's, it's an unexpected bit. And a welcome bit of good news in, in a sea of shit. And then shortly afterwards at PMQs, uh, Angela Rayner stood up. And, you know, she was up against Dominic Robb. She normally gets the better of Robb. He's a quite a strange guy at the dispatch box. But, you know, the thing with Rayner is I don't always agree with her views, but I, I sort of respect her as a, you know, I respect her in action. She's quite bolshy. And before anyone says, oh, would you say bolshy about a man? Probably not. But equally, do many women get called egotistical or arrogant? Not really. So I guess we all have our words. And she she usually gets stuck in, but she mentions Boris Johnson's gaffe about journalism. So if you are, I'm sure you're aware, but a few years back when Johnson was uh, uh, foreign secretary, he mentioned that as he understood it, she was only there teaching people journalism, which then the Iranian regime had a big hoo-ha about this. And it was, you know, seen to be unhelpful. It was unhelpful. It was dim-witted fucking, it, you know, it, it was indefensible in terms of uh, how poorly briefed he was. On the other hand, do we think, right, and so the inference here is that he's caused her extra time in incarceration. Do we think that the Iranian regime, if that doesn't happen, are suddenly going, oh, well, yep, yeah, fine. Oh, yeah, just need to get the paperwork done. And, uh, yeah, you know what, don't worry about the $400 million that we've been banging on about since the 70s, which is really what this is all about. Yeah, on, on your way, love, on your way, love. Simple misunderstanding, ever so sorry. Give my love to Peter. Um <laughs> And I just thought, I thought it was a bad move. And I thought that Raina looked uncomfortable with that line of attack. You know, she sort of, she seemed to lose conviction in it. And, and it, it kind of struck me that, you know, and she makes proud um, capital out of her working class roots. She, she, struck, she struck me like the bolshy girl that had been bigging up at school that she was going to have a fight after school and then sort of lost her bottle a bit or lost her conviction. She's like, I'm going to fucking tell him. I'm going to tell Boris. I'm say, I, don't, I don't fucking care, mate. I don't fucking care. I'll get up there. I'll say, Boris, it's your fucking fault, mate. Right, and then just something happened, and and, and Rob, Rob said something back to her that gave her cause for uh, cause for reflection, and it, it did seem a bit indecent. I thought, particularly given the fact that the wheels were still on the ground in Amman, like she literally hadn't left the country yet. Maybe don't fucking speak about it. Do you know what I mean? You don't want to do anything. Don't remind them. You know, all right. If say this was the reason, say Boris's indiscretion was the reason, don't remind them. Let's just get her home first, and can we not have like fucking. 10 hours to just enjoy a, a good news story, you know? And it's so, I think the thing is, you know, and I think this will be a theme, is that during Partygate and post-Owen Patterson, everyone was slamming the Tories, right? Including right-wingers. Um, so I think what happened was people were like, oh, shit, this is like a good news story. Uh, I've been, I've kind of enjoyed the last three months where everyone gets up and just, you know, shits all over the government every day and we're all reading from the same hymn sheet. And they just couldn't handle the idea that there might have been... <laughs> A foreign office win. That something good had happened. What most people think. So then we get on to, what was it, the next day? Was it Friday? P&O. P&O, they sack all their staff, right? Just sack it on a video message. Video message. I mean, the lack of respect to your employees there is just breathtaking, right? But not only, I mean, not that this is the big deal, but the geezer didn't even set up his, um, his Zoom very well. You know? He just was like, oh, oh, fuck, I better do the video telling the whole 
whole of our employee base that they've been sacked. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'll just, that room's all right, isn't it? That got light, yeah, I'll just, I'll just do it on my phone. I'll just do it on my phone, Steve. Absolutely no way this could make P&O look like an awful, an awful corporation. It was a useful example of how the most awful excesses of capitalism. It's a bit like that bit uh, in Back to the Future 2, when you know when older Marty McFly uh, gets in trouble and then the guy's Japanese boss goes, you're fired, McFly! And before anyone gets on me, that is, I'm just doing an impression of the actor in the film. If you want pick to it, pick it up with him, okay? Now, what immediately happened, and of course happened, is that people started putting out untrue things, or certainly at that point unsubstantiated, about the connections between the P&O sackings and Brexit. Okay, hashtag Brexit reality, hashtag I fucking told you so, hashtag maybe wait a minute, because it turns out that this is nothing to do with employee. What they were essentially saying was that this is to do because, you know, one of the reasons that we were we were leaving the EU was to tear up worker rights so that we could just we could just put kids back up, back down the mines and up the chimney. Right? Do you know what I mean? Get pregnant women working out in the rice fields. And, and lo and behold, none of those things have changed. And, and furthermore, P&O are registered in Jersey, so they're outside of all this anyway. And then furthermore to that, Irish people also lost their jobs. So I guess, is that, did they Brexit? Did Ireland secretly do a Brexit and not tell us? And they're hiring Indian stuff and they're hiring them on £1.38 an hour. Maybe they're just tight fucks who wanted to save money. Now, I would say to any objective observer, the main reason... The P&O are doing this is because they sail places. And during the pandemic, they had virtually zero passengers. And obviously, like every country, I mean, people said, they still had freight. Well, yeah, but freight went down. Generally, exports and imports in all countries went down during uh, the pandemic. So they were losing $100 million a year. They asked the government for a bailout. The government pointed out they paid out $250 million in dividends to shareholders. So, yeah. And, and they'd taken furlough money. So... It, it, the government, I mean, you can just imagine, right, if the government had have bailed them out and that information, in the current social media environment, it, it just was never an idea. It was never a possibility for them. So Starmer, Starmer immediately jumps on this and says, we will end fire and rehire, right? That's been a, a kind of bugbear uh, for the unions and the Labour Party for a while, right? Fair enough. It, is, it is a, can be a shady tactic, except this isn't fire and rehire, is it? They're not rehiring these people, this is fire and fuck off, essentially. And, and and so Starmer does a couple of tweets and then loads of people, like employment lawyers, and they're pointing out that this is not, and it's not to do with, you know, you know mainland UK law. But it doesn't matter, does it? Because this is what we, what everybody's currently looking for at the moment is a stick to beat the government with. And by God, there are some legitimate sticks. I just think that, to take this stick analogy to its painful conclusion, that some of these sticks are not really sticks. They're those little kind of wet things. You go, well, that's, it's that, it's that's, more, oh, that's actually a leaf. That's actually a leaf. And, you know, another line of attack on this was that the government knew before, they knew the night before. Yeah, maybe late at night, someone from P&O went, by the way, we're going to sack everybody. Okay, what is... Now, Boris may have said that he didn't know, and, of course, it's yet another Boris Johnson lie. And, um, you know, I, it's not, I, I, I don't appreciate having a Prime Minister that's so... Uh, economical with the truth but but truthfully I mean what difference does does it make knowing the night before you nationalize P&O <laughs> I mean that would be some news to wake up to P&O go to Saxstar government seized <laughs> just seeing the CEO of P&O getting uh just getting arrested at the port you know that's ours now 
That's ours. Just people making out he's Russian. And we've heard you've got a few Russian connections there. Like, I've never had a Russian connection in my life. Oh, what's that? Yeah, I heard you's a bit of an oligarch there. Seize his yacht. It's not a yacht, it's a ferry. Doesn't matter. Same fucking thing. On all of this, and I'm sorry if I'm sounding like a government shield this week, but I've just got to a point. I don't know if you have too, and I know I have lots of left-wing, you know, listeners and anti-Boris people, but I do think that bit by bit people lose their credibility if all they ever do is attack, and sometimes without objectivity. Which brings me to the Boris Johnson Brexit analogy. So during the Tory Spring Conference, Boris is giving a speech about freedoms, and he kind of strays into the area of saying that people always choose freedom. The Ukrainian people wish to be free of Russia. And then he talks about the fact that the British people also chose their freedom. I'm going to say, just don't go there, Boris, okay? Like, whether you think you've got the kind of uh, verbal reasoning skills to carry this off, it really, the juice is never going to be worth the squeeze on this. Let me tell you. And, of course, a lot of people were disgusted by this. They were appalled by this. You know, people, Brexiteers, you know, people who who wouldn't normally just pile in on Boris Johnson for no reason. Uh, Julia Hartley Brewer uh, criticised him. There were a lot of Tories that weren't happy with it. So, you know, you think like the the, the mood music is not about, you know, you say they say, oh, read the room. And then what they mean by read the room is read my room. Uh, In this case, there's quite a lot of the room wasn't happy about this, right? I mean, but let's just, let's just bear in mind that this is once again about something someone says rather than something that they do. All right. Now, I'm not saying that that means that it's irrelevant or, you know, it's illegitimate to be angry about it, but it's still words rather than actions. And you had a lot of people who literally the previous day were making P&O exclusively about Brexit when it wasn't. And then they're angry again. This is a this is a this is a reach. This is a disgusting overreach of an analogy. So well, hang on. It just yesterday you were saying P&O was all because of Brexit. Now, I'm not saying that that is on a par with comparing people in a war to leaving the EU. But my God, you're, you're somewhere on the same fucking spectrum, you know? And this is what bugs me about all, all these things is you go, if you are genuinely, you know, distraught because you like certain parliamentary standards, you like the British Prime Minister to project a certain image of kind of clarity and objectivity, then fair enough. But there's also that that kind of person where you think, do you care about that? Do you even care about the Saks P&O workers? Or is this just part of a daily battle, a daily battle where you want to kind of get scores, right? Because I suppose your goal is, final goal is get get the toys out, reverse Brexit, whatever, right? And whatever Boris said about uh, Ukraine, certainly the way that the media reported it, they slightly were a bit more direct than he was. So he, the news sort of line was that Boris directly compared the Ukraine war to Britain leaving Europe. And he didn't exactly, I don't think he exactly did that, right? But then the, you know, the line sticks, right? That is what it goes down as. And you look at like COVID deaths, there was news last week uh, that actually sort of, we're now getting more accurate figures on excess deaths, which is kind of like the gold standard. The gold standard for calibrating how any country has done during COVID is excess deaths per 100,000 population, right? And it turns out we are bang in the middle. We are bang in the middle. Statistically, not a meaningful difference between countries like us and France and Germany. So you get the actual like bottom line health service recorded deaths and then you get excess deaths, which is a wider calibration of the effect of the pandemic. And how many times during that period did the usual suspects jump on the fact we're the worst in the world? We have the most horrific death toll. You know, if, it, if we had the worst per, per hundred thousand, they go to that. And then if it was suddenly the death toll that was the more alarming figure, they say we've got the worst death toll. And really, again, what they were really doing was was 
they were weaponizing something when any scientist, any virologist, any expert would have said that you can only really judge. And I, I've literally got it on record. When this pandemic started on this podcast, I said, you got you can only do it after two years. And it turns out after two years and we are solidly mid-table. Okay? We're, we're not going down. We're not going up. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? We're not even getting in the inter-Toto Cup spots, but we're, we're definitely not uh, at threat of relegation. And of course, for anyone quotes me, it's oh, so do all the people that died, it's irrelevant, Jeff. This is what they do. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Let me just be clear that I, I don't have any human compassion for those people. And I don't want pro-Tory news. I don't. I just want objective news. And I think that at the moment, I don't know, sometimes it goes like this. It happened during the pandemic. You remember when... You know, we had so many stories about shortages of PPE. And if you look back now, just Google, just France, shortage PPE, Germany, Russia, Denmark, every country had shortages of PPE. But at the time, you'd have honestly thought it was just us. And if you look at, you know, the way that Boris is portrayed here, for, for right or wrong, Boris is loved in Ukraine. Like, his approval level is massive. There was actually a tweet from uh, one of the Ukrainian uh, politicians that had attended Tory party conference. And he just said, I want to thank UK conservatives. And I want to thank Boris, you know, for the support and all this. <laughs> and the comments under from like the FBPE type, you know, militant remainers were like, excuse me, sorry, uh, let me tell you. And they were like lecturing this guy, this guy who's currently in negotiations with the UK government. So might have an idea of the level of help and cooperation that's being offered. And then one guy absolutely killed me he said um, I think you need to do more research I don't understand how you could come to this view please explain please explain well I think being a Ukrainian politician he might have slightly more important things to do at this point in time than speak with a dickhead like you whoa as the millennial comics say rant over some of you going, sorry, I wasn't even aware it had begun. Um, I, I'm, actually, I'm actually quite knackered after ranting for that long. If I just, like, this is probably what happened, if I just lost all the kind of centre-left types, they've gone, oh, just a bit softer, these... I'm sorry, I just, look, I want to be objective. I just think we've got to a point where the fucking onslaught is, is relentless and it's not always completely tethered to reality. Um, anyway, let's hype some things we've got coming up. This weekend, the weekend tour shows I've got. I'm in Lincoln at the Lincoln Performing Arts Centre. Then on Sunday night, I've got a cheeky little Sunday night gig uh, in Huddersfield or Uddersfield. All right. Oh, what do they speak there? They speak like Leeds, do they? Yeah, I'm in Huddersfield. You come into Huddersfield on Sunday night to, London, <laughs> to Lawrence Batley Theatre. Um, and then on the Thursday, I mean, uh, Wolverhampton, the 31st of May. Wolverhampton, Wolverhampton, I'm in Bilston, Bilston, Bilston. Oh, fuck it. Then on Friday the 1st, I'm in Worthing. Uh, and then the following day, I'm in Portsmouth. And I, don't, I just don't know, what are the accents down there? And then uh, Friday the 8th of April, I'm in Aberdeen. And then later in the month. Then I've got a few weeks off touring because of Easter and shit. Um, and then I'm in Southend, hey, you plastic cockneys. Come out, get your fucking eel pie. You know what you like in Southend. You'll talk about the East End and West Ham. And, you know, have some eel pie. Get your laughing gear around my tour show. And then the following day after that, I'm in fucking Manchester, mate. You know what I mean? Like, we're a proper city. Oh, fuck. I've almost almost forgot. I uh, The paperback of my book, Where Did I Go Right, is coming out. We've got a new subtitle for the paperback. The publisher thought it might take it to a wider audience. It's called Where Did I Go Right? Memoirs of a Working Class Photo. Do you see, you know, they're trying to get in the more, I guess we're trying to get in the centrist dads with that one. 
Oh, yeah, I just want to learn. I just want to learn how anybody can vote for this fascist regime. Uh, so that's, or you might have seen it in uh, airports and stuff like that. And I, I tell you, this is quite tragic, but um, when I went to, where I was going out to Belfast, I went from Heathrow Terminal 5 and they had it. It was uh, it was in the non-fiction chart, number 9 out of 40, so doing all right. And um, I saw that three had sold that day because of how it was laid out. And um, I'd love to say that I didn't go back there an hour later to see if another one had sold. And I would love to say that when I did go back and noticed that another one had sold, that I didn't do a little dance. It's really pathetic. But in a way, it's an act of gratitude. I mean, look, I'm not going to trouble the scorers in the absolute top of the charts there. But for me, that was a 25% sales increase. Okay, it's a tricky subject, this next one, to know how to come at it. But um, it's a story that emerged uh, last week. Uh, There was an article in The Telegraph, and it was covered in various media outlets, about a woman who'd alleged that she was the victim of a rape on a single-sex ward. Uh, And when she uh, she made her allegation, the the NHS Trust told her that that couldn't have happened because uh, there were no men on the ward. Now, there was a transsexual uh, person on the ward who still... Uh, had a penis, right? So, I mean, this is, this is really sort of grim, but you have to get the details of this story out first. Now, I honestly just found this story um, just astonishing. If um, if you want to um, look at um, a more in-depth summary of, of what happened, on go to Andrew Doyle's Twitter feed and just look, he did a, there's a nine-minute chat there with Baroness Nickel, who's the, the peer that brought this to light. Uh, in the Lords, but there is, it just made me think, man, that there are, you know, you know, there are these moments, we've been, we were told for a while, weren't we, you know, certainly before there was a kind of cultural backlash that people used to take the piss about that phrase, well, it's political correctness gone mad, or you can't say anything these days, it's political correctness gone mad, and you know what, I think this is political correctness gone mad, I mean, if you think that, like the NHS, who should be dealing with scientific and biological objective truth are sort of gaslighting. And I know that that is a very left-wing word normally, but I can't think of any better word for what's happened here. Uh, you know, a potential victim. I, I think that I think political correctness is another example where it, it really did go quite mad because, you know, when you're saying, when people are saying, oh, you can't say bar-bar black sheep anymore, you know, that, that was never really true. And, you know, well, you can't celebrate Christmas anymore. And apart from a few absolute numpties, uh, at local councils, it, that wasn't true. But we are in the realms now of, of, of objective kind of insanity. And, and, and you know, I don't normally talk about, you know, you know, I have to try to keep it light and stuff like that. But sometimes you see a, way, a muddled way of thinking that's so, so wrongheaded that you just got to say something. And maybe I don't have anything particularly profound to say this about this other than other than to give it some sort of airtime, really. You can find out about this story. Um, Baroness Nickel also said that what had been happening since 2010 is that um, the NHS were kind of honouring the government's commit- commitment towards the uh, you know single-sex wards, but they were including in those numbers people that uh, that basically identified uh, as as the other sex. And and so essentially, the gov- you know the NHS had sort of taken a government piece of legislation. We're trying to. To kind of get around it, in essence. And it's so loaded, man. And I know I get emails from people who are trans. And I know that the the tone of debate at the moment probably is making people feel very uncomfortable. But equally, when there's something like this, it has to be it has to be brought to light. And you know, on a on a slightly different level, but still meaningful, we had the the swimmer 
what was and we also had the swimmer Leah Thomas, which is on a slightly different level, but this would have been you'd probably seen a lot of images of this, the, the American swimmer who as a as a man was ranked four hundred and odd and now as a woman is, is ranked first. And when you see Leah Thomas, I mean it would be fair to say that the uh, the build is very masculine. You know, there are you can see potential advantages. And that's not to say that, you know, there wouldn't be tall women with, with broad shoulders, but I think that I think you know this podcast is called what most people think. I think most people would see uh, the the benefits of essentially a, a, a male form, you know, a male build as such. And this this causes a lot of debate. You know, when you see those three much smaller female swimmers huddled together on on the other side of the podium, it's it's tricky, and you do wonder how how we get to this point. But the way that the debate is shut down is is just it's just a bit too simplistic for me. Is those people the people that raise questions about it are just called transphobic. And they kind of resort to the the incantation of trans women are women, trans men are men. You know, it's, it's sort of odd when they when they go back to that song, like they're kind of rocking and sucking their thumb. You know when people just stick their fingers in their ears and go, blah, 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 blah. They think, well, obviously, I would say that when, you know, left-wing feminists who have spent their life as social justice warriors, effectively, you know, on the same side of the fence as you... When they're saying, when they're calling things out and when they're saying, I think this is wrong or I think this is unjust, wouldn't you just stop and give a, a moment's consideration to the fact that they might not just be doing it to be like an evil witch? <laughs> I mean, this is this is the problem with the debate, isn't it? Like, say with J.K. Rowling, she's just a fucking evil witch. Yeah, it turns out the only witch in... I wish, I wish she had just been a fi- fictional character in one of her own stories, bitch. And you go... Why do you, she knows, right, J.K. Rowling is a billionaire, right? She could just sit in her, she could, she could build a fucking Hogwarts. <laughs> she could build the train station that goes to Hogwarts. She could rebuild King's Cross with an actual fucking platform nine and three quarters. And yet she's deciding to have this debate. Why do you think that is? Do you think she's just doing it to make people's lives difficult? Or do you think that, like, in common with many feminists, that there are hard-won rights for women that are being challenged at the moment. And it's like any progress in society. There are going to be exceptions and difficulties that you have to iron out. It's like when a new law is brought in. I mean, I mean I'm saying this is new. A lot of trans people would say this isn't new. It's been happening for a while. But in terms of a lot of people, most people, we're still getting our head around a lot of the, you know, a lot of different dimensions to the, to this debate. And when it comes to, um, safe spaces for women, you know, uh, single sex wards, um, refuges, women's refuges, sport in a slightly different way. We're getting our heads around it, right? So the debate, as Francis said last week, that you're still having the debate. And the problem is, I guess it's happening in the social media rage where a lot of people are kind of locked down in in kind of sort of intellectual silos and echo chambers where they've gone, right, we've all had this chat, uh, it's emerged, you know, and they're kind of the equivalent of the Vatican where the white smoke comes out as well. well you know, I sat with all my incredibly left-wing friends on my incredibly left-wing university course and we, we all decided that this is done. We're not going to have this chat anymore. It's exhausting. Have you noticed this on social media, how often people say it's exhausting? I mean, fuck, you know. I think that the only thing once upon a time that was exhausting was like manual work and raising a toddler. But now, having to repeat a point on Twitter is apparently exhausting. But I, I think you do have to keep having the discussion because it's slightly different to being gay, right? That, that's the analogy they often draw. I had that chat with Owen Jones. You know, he sort of said, well, once upon a time, if you thought this about gay people, 
you would now be seen as, as a homophobe. And I, I think it's slightly different because the numbers game is, is different. And most people will know or work with several gay people, right? Uh, transsexuals, the number is slightly different. So it just takes a while. Just, you know, these are they're challenging concepts. They're, they are challenging concepts. And maybe we'll get to a point in society where someone says, men can have babies. And we'll go, yeah, I mean, fucking come on. We've known that for years. But right at this point... There are a lot of people that just are going to take time to think about what how they feel about that and to decide whether or not the attempts to include the rights of a relatively small number of people are actually happening at the expense of a much bigger group of people and, and to kind of shut them out and, and call them witches and bitches and evil. I mean, yeah, if one thing we've learned, you know, and through the course of me doing this podcast, is calling large groups of people stupid or evil very rarely bears any fruit whatsoever. Look, man, um, I don't, you know, I don't want to get too heavy. And if you are a trans person, if I've got something wrong or I've, you know, statistically out of whack, then do email on what most people think UK at gmail.com. Okay, let, let's get on to some lighter subject matter. And the first letter refers back to the same thing. There you go. Dear Jeff, just been listening to your week's podcast and I wanted to say how funny I found your comment about the Labour Party's position on trans issues and how they need to grow a pair. Did I really say that? Oh my God. I, I, I swear to God, I'm not doing this. But you know, once you get this stuff in your mind that you just you end up in more risks of doing innuendos. Uh, well, thanks for that. Thanks for that, Matt. And yeah, well, look, it looks like maybe I'll, maybe I'll, maybe I'll just make it a thing now. Trans innuendo of the week. And the next letter is from Evelyn, one of one of my patrons. Uh, lastly, you've not spoken about being on countdown. Maybe not what your average listener is into. Uh, but I'm fascinated. What was Anne like? What's it like being in Dictionary Corner? Did you work your answers out for yourself, etc.? Uh, yeah, it was a good day. They film them all in one go five in one go and um yeah you just get knocked about i so a funny story about ann robinson so i was trying to come up with little funnies off the hoof i think me and ann struck up a little rapport do you know what i mean she she was i'm gonna say flirtation i'm gonna say flirtation it was and it was mutual it was going both ways Uh, (laughs) and um but then i did this thing at one point when they said um they, they said one of the words was like another word for wine and um, so I said, ah, and yeah, I've heard, I've heard you don't mind a couple of boxes of that. And then like nothing, well, nothing was, uh, no one reacted. Everyone was really quiet. I was like, oh, fuck. Maybe they didn't hear my brilliant joke. Uh, so I said, uh, I said, I said, Anne, um, I, I hear you would sort of sort of pile into a couple of boxes of the the dirty grape. And um, and then in my talk back in the little thing they put in your ear, someone said, Jeff, um, we just need to check something. Are you aware that Anne Robinson has struggled with alcoholism throughout her adult life and has actually written two books on it. I said, I was not aware of that. I said, would you like to do another take where you don't do that joke? I said, I will absolutely do another take where I don't do that joke. So they, they rescued me. Okay, that is it for this week's episode of What Most People Think. So like I say, come to the tour shows. If you want to sign up to the Patreon, just go on uh, Google Patreon, then go into their search thing, go Jeff Norcott, and you will find me. Uh, If you leave a review on uh, iTunes or anywhere, I will read them out. Five-star reviews only, please. Yeah, it's a bit, I mean, it's a bit Putin-esque, isn't it, managing the media like this? Five-star reviews only for Jeff Norcott's special podcast operation. Uh, This one's from Keith Hotton. It said... 
Keith Hotton. That sounds like a fucking Geordie, doesn't it? Uh, best comedy podcast out there. Consistently very funny. Jeff's down-to-earth humour is infectious. It's a highlight of the week. Uh, and this is from, oh, well, it's a weird name with the number, which we always presume is a Russian bot. Seen Jeff three times now. Always articulates what I'm thinking. Uh, well, I hope not if you're a Russian bot. Look forward to each podcast every week. Honest and truly funny. Uh, this is from Perfect Gent Personified. This says, Saw Jeff in Taunton. Oh, right, sorry, this is West Country. Saw Jeff in Taunton on Friday the 11th. It was hilarious. First time listener to the podcast, equally as funny. Well done, Jeff. Keep doing you. Not like that. Keep doing you. And this is from Sire, Sire Bird. It just says, I like simples. So th- that's all of them. So thank you for those reviews. Like I say, uh, you know, join up to the Patreon, see you on tour, support my lavish lifestyle, staying in, staying in travel lodges up there. Oh my God, can I tell you another really sad travel lodge story before we go? Um, so I got back, uh, so I finished the gig in New Brighton on Saturday. I was a bit hungover, so it's one of those days where you just need to keep eating until you go to bed. So after the gig, everything was shut, right? Everything was fucking shot in New Brighton, all right? And um, so I thought, I used a vending machine at the Travel Lodge. That's already sad, isn't it? That is already sad. I thought I'd have some crisps and chocolate. I mean, just it's already sad. Couldn't get the vending machine to work. Uh, so I knew that I needed to consume some sort of calories before I went to sleep. So I'm going to tell you what I did. I got, <laughs> so sad. You know those little milk cartons, right? I, I stole a, a bunch of those. God, I'm actually getting upset. Think about it. I stole a bunch of those. And when I got back to the room, I had about 16 and one by one, I decanted them into a, a, a mug so I could have a little glass of milk before I went to bed. And that, dear listener, is, well, it's a reason to try and, and support me some way financially uh, if you can. Because I've, it's got, I've got to be, you know, I've got to be capable of more at this point in my life than a man sitting in a travel lodge in fucking Wallasey drinking little UHT cartons of milk. Oh.